welcome back everyone to season two episode four of the fpl script for the 23-24 fpl season this is our game week three review i am your co-host fran otherwise known as fpl fran on other platforms with my co-host jd or schadenfreudist on other platforms as well of course game week two was a rather poor week for us non-sala owners and particularly non-sala cappers as our source of points were very minimal and that was pretty much the state of my game week, particularly since I owned a, a certain Arsenal midfielder that wasn't na named Martin Odegaard. And uh, yeah, Havertz pretty much was the only savior of my game week, given his low ownership. And ultimately, he failed quite quite severely. Even got less points than Martinelli, despite getting around 30 more minutes of football. And then really, Mbumo um, was the only one who, as I said, got me points this week. And Pedro, of course, Jao Pedro, who did well in game week one. So in retrospect, I would say a bit of a reversion to what he was expected to have. Let's say around 58, 60 mins over the course of game weeks one to three. Um, right now, by the time of game week two, at the end of that, he's probably clocked in around 120 minutes himself. So still seemingly an okay pick, but the expectations for him have vast, vastly sort of changed from initially being fantastic to... I would say, amongst the pack of forwards right now. Yeah, I think that's quite a reasonable take and it's helped temper expectations for Joao Pedro owners as well as non-owners, I think, who are looking to quickly jump on the train and who may be now rethinking their strategy. For me, I had a good week, I guess, because I have a green arrow. Uh, as you said, Mbuemo is an absolute legend. And I didn't own Joao Pedro, I owned Watkins, who again got an assist. I had two penalty takers in my team this week who are no longer the penalty takers for their team. So I suppose in the long run, that's not a great week to have. And I might be looking to move Watkins on in game week four uh, now that that's the case. And we've also seen that Unai Emery is giving certain priority to European games as well. So all in all, looks like there will be a couple of changes on the card soon. Yeah, it makes sense. And I think one thing that our, our teams both had, of course, was the, the fortune and luck of being able to move from Gabriel to Saliba. Of course, yeah. another thing that where, if you look sort of at Chase's Twitter post around a week back when we discussed this the first time round, yeah, extremely important, unfortunately, to be around and to get that information around the deadline. That's sort of the name of the game. Uh, but let's just move quickly forward from that because we did touch on that last week. So this week is actually quite interesting because I feel like a lot of pairs have suddenly become quite interesting in the attacking positions from from three teams city chelsea and spurs a lot of us have already gone into some of these picks particularly let's say jackson from chelsea and richarlison as well from spurs especially if you let's say take a bit of an analytic approach because i understand some people already have madison but in reality these are the picks that i think are quite popular however with the kdb injury and and now us sort of staring down sheffield united away Let's just start with City. I think Alvarez and Foden have probably been creeping him up amongst a lot of solves. Maybe Foden not so much because Grealish's X-Men's are very, very high. I think if I was to start there, I think Luke made a good point, particularly on Discord as well, just talking about how arguably the, the Grealish left-wing X-Men's aren't particularly high. If you look at, for example, what happened when the K when KDB was injured, you saw Alvarez moving towards the left-wing position. Even Foden could, could play on the left at times, so... Maybe his expense are quite high, but in general, you've got that slot now, um, at least even as a game before transfer with Foden coming in. And then Alvarez, I'm sure for a lot of Jao Pedro owners, might be an option 
as opposed to just simply Jackson, which I think a lot of people were eyeing up as soon as Game Week 1 started, if they were a Jao Pedro owner themselves. Yes, uh, with the Alvarez thing, for example, Review is now recommending a Watkins to Alvarez move for me in Game Week 4 with the default X-Mins. And we can take that call, I think, closer to Game Week 4, for example, if people want to move for Alvarez then. But if you want to move, move for Alvarez in Game Week 3, I don't have an argument against it, to be honest, because right now his minutes look more secure than ever. I don't know. I know Jeremy Doku has probably already signed for City and uh, will soon get confirmation of that. But I don't know how he's going to fit in. And as we've seen every season, the new signing always gets less X-Mins to, sorry, less minutes to begin with. And then they slowly build up and their second season is probably the season where they are most effective or they are more effective than their first season. So given that, and also given that Alvarez moved to City last season, which means that this is his second season, all of those things point to the fact that maybe his X-Minutes should be more than what they are on review currently. And if we were to bump up his X-Minutes, it would mean that he is almost an automatic reserve spot in our teams because the City attack, the biggest problem with City attack that we've always had is a lack of guaranteed X-Mins. And if Alvarez were to give us that, then I think it's quite a no-brainer. And with Foden, I think it's a similar thing because Luke, going off of Luke's point, if we think that Grealish this season no longer has monopoly on the left-wing position like he did in the second half of last season, then that means that it opens up a lot more avenues for Foden to play. For example, even if, let's say, Bernardo Silva, because he's getting on in age and he might play less games than he has been playing with the intensity that he plays with. You might also see maybe Foden play in midfield. I don't know he hasn't played that role for like for a lot of minutes but who knows you know it's pep and he can definitely change some tactics and uh, fit foden in and we could ultimately see foden getting a lot more minutes that he always has throughout the season so i don't know about you but i'm planning on waiting for one more week just to get more information and also because two free transfers are better than one yeah i mean i, I think that makes sense i think going alvarez is probably only for those who are on someone like jao pedro just yeah. because the transfer seems to line up. But anyways, I, I would say if we move on to Chelsea, Sterling has probably be Sterling has become the option that seems quite interesting this week. Just because we have a couple conundrums with the Arsenal midfielders. And if you let's say have some other mids like let's say Richarlison, you might even be thinking of moving away now that his X-Men's aren't as perfect as we sort of initially assumed. And also Sterling's baseline seem really, really good. So running some souls with him and, and with good mins, given that Chelsea have a plethora of injuries, like Nkunku out, Chukameka out as well, although I'm not exactly sure he's out for as long as he's been rumored to, to be. Ultimately, still there's more than capacity for Sterling to be an 85x mins player for really the, the next few week, weeks, which is crucial. Yeah, we can see that if you bump up Sterling's minutes, he clearly is a good FPL asset, as he always has been throughout the years. For our sakes, again, you know, it's always good that players are on penalties, but with Sterling, you hope that he stays away from them, given that his record is quite poor, compared to what other FPL assets have put up over the years. So, if we want to look at Sterling instead of Jackson, I, for example, I myself am looking towards that, because if I were to move Havertz on, I only have one free transfer, so I cannot do both Watkins to Jackson, for example, and Havertz to Sterling. So if I were to do just one, I would probably do Havertz to Sterling. 
also because i'm quite frustrated from today today's game so maybe today is not the right <laughs> right day to make this decision i might just wait till tomorrow to see how i feel about it but as of today if i were to do that one transfer i would definitely do havertz to sterling as that transfer given that chelsea have such a good run of games from game week 3 onwards yeah it's an interesting point cuz I, i i do think jackson and watkins are the only true safe bets in the forward positions because yeah, yeah. Um, if you are someone who who does like just simply getting some good X Men's options that are most likely nailed, these are probably your two best bets. And the issue, of course, with a lot of us, I think, is we do have maybe two spots reserved for Chelsea defenders, which means you're only picking one of Jackson and Sterling. And because we have so many more options in the midfield, maybe Sterling is someone that you can pass on uh, for the time being, which is nice because I think when we move on to our next point. It's not really a, a combination of midfielders and forwards, but in, in Spurs, you've got Richarlison and Madison who are both midfielder picks. And maybe if we get, let's say, information over penalties, even Sun becomes a viable pick potentially. So ultimately, because I think there's so many mids, Jackson is someone who's much more enticing to me. And yeah, I would probably think about Sterling for game week four as someone who actually owns Havertz as well and, and probably needs to uh, do something about owning Havertz by game week four as well. Yeah, just on the point of Jackson, owners have been massively unlucky. There's no doubt, but also if there is any game week that you would want to get onto an asset like Jackson, it would be game week three. If you believe in that sort of narrative that 1.4 xG with zero goals will come home to roost in game week three, but even if it doesn't, it is a good enough indication that he is a striker that is going to get a lot of chances. which transfers to high xg which transfers to probably some goals at least if not many once um, nkuku is back we might see a reduction of his minutes as well uh, and we can on this point we can move on to the next topic which is arsenal for game week 3 so we have a number of things to talk about here starting off with arteta's press conference where we found out two important things the first one being that he has outright said that gabriel is going to play many games this season and that his move to the saudi league is probably not going to happen based on what he has said today and you uh, noted something interesting about what he had to say about the penalty as well yeah i mean he effectively said that he didn't know what was going to happen with the penalty situation and that it was a decision made by the players now of course reading into this you'd probably think if odegaard scores this penalty why wouldn't he take subsequent penalties and i'd probably agree with that argument but you could say that maybe it ultimately could still come down to saka's decision um in the future i suppose if if he wants to continue taking penalties or not either way i think of course you can already see on on review um on any sort of horizon really that odegaard has become the clear arsenal default mid option and it suggests that of course there's a lot left on the table if you didn't go with odegaard um particularly that sort of jp plus odegaard pairing those sorts of owners now are very clearly running away with it from an ev point of view but it's it's it sort of reminds me of the situation last season when we were looking at these kind of constant swaps between these arsenal midfielders between martinez odegaard um and then back again and and that not really working out i just feel like they're all such great picks and you're sort of targeting the same run of fixtures it feels really bad sometimes particularly when at the early point in the season when you need a bit more information you might be moving between um certain assets to actually move on from one club player to another 
when the X-Men's are still quite good. So the only thing I would say with Sokka and Odegaard is I think it's probably going to show up as quite a popular move for a lot of people, particularly because Gaming 2 or Gaming 3, rather, if you, if you don't have any kind of pressing concerns, like let's say owning James, owning Stones, owning Gabrielle, um, who actually seems rather good now because of the Tomiyasu yellow, which we'll get onto in a second. But this sort of situation, it, it feels like if you have two free transfers, you could make this move, but I would definitely pass up on it. No, that's an interesting point when it comes to swapping assets from the same club, especially in the same position, because as you said, for us, it didn't work out last season when we went from Martinelli to Odegaard. And Odegaard and Saka, essentially, when if they swap penalty-taking duties, I think their EV essentially is swapped. So Odegaard then becomes the clear favourite pick. And then I have to question the need to own Saka as well, if that is the case. So maybe down the line, you can do Saka to Odegaard as well directly instead of now going for someone like, for us, example, going from Kai Havertz to Odegaard. Because the next game against Fulham is the same game for all three players. So might as well bet on a certain outcome and then stick with it for one game week, given that free transfers are valuable always. And also to your point about the EV, I don't think it's going to matter too much about the EV. I think they've rather run away with the XG rank when it comes to Jao Pedro plus Odegaard because both of them scored a penalty. So that's a really good XG for them. But because Odegaard's minutes were less than Havertz, I think we've won on the MD rank game already as Havertz owners, which is the only victory we can claim because otherwise it's been quite grim uh, as far as Havertz is concerned. And finally, I think the last point here is, um, rather not a point, but just to conclude, you know, Gabriel, finally, do we expect him to start then next week? Yeah, I, I, I think so. But just to clarify on the Odegaard point, I'll just more talk about future EV. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. Okay, yeah. yeah. In terms sense. of Gabriel, with the Tomiyasu yellow, I think Gabriel will will definitely start next week just because they don't have any other options to, to sort of play in, in the setups that they have available. It was interesting to see the team sort of play with both Zinchenko and, and, and Partey again. But yeah, I think we'll, we'll probably go back to a structure where you're seeing something which we saw last season with Arsenal. I suppose it, it, it might have some impacts on, on where Havertz would play. If, let's say, Zinchenko was to join back into the team, would we see mm. Rice and Partey play again in the midfield? And, and, and what does that sort of really mean with Havertz, who's somewhat nailed down 96 minutes and two games with Arsenal? Um, that's an interesting thing to think about, because, of course, Havertz sort of was filling multiple roles because of the yellow card as well. So very similar to last week, where when he was mo moving to strike or even the 10 position, you could argue, when, let's say, Ankeri was subbed off, here he was getting to play as a nine again, but, you know, just a very defensive nine, just given the game state. Yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on actually how that impacts Havertz, because I do think Gabriel, for the, for the time being, is nailed. Yeah, I have no idea. Firstly, because from last season, we've seen so many changes in how Arsenal play this season. And I've seen a lot of Arsenal fans complain about that because it's a distinct change from how they were set up last season, especially with the whole parties uh, not being a part of the midfield role where he's playing a more hybrid role this season. So if we, we were to take that into account, I certainly think that if Partey were to move back into midfield, it's it's debatable as to if Havertz is going to start every week. I understand that NKTA has already performed quite well and he is meeting perhaps Arteta's expectations, but 
we never know how that will change and then if that means that Havertz has to start as a number nine well we we might luck out but I think both of us are going to go out of Havertz in game week three so we better pray that that doesn't happen after game week three yeah I mean look uh I'll, I'll probably keep Havertz because he seemingly fits a variety of roles and the minutes are still good and I think that's that's enough on Arsenal and by the way so just to clarify a point on, on me saying Gabriel's nailed I, I just meant really for game week three um, yeah, yeah, because we we and and also because Zinchenko is back into the team, probably likely that Arteta could f- start playing with that formation for a bit. Maybe Tomiyasu finds his way back into the team immediately by game week five, but we can probably assess then. And if you're a Gabriel owner, I'd definitely play him still in game week three because it's hard to see him actually missing out in that game now. Just generally, I think on, on that sort of Gabriel topic, I'm I'm sure some people would be still interested in taking him out maybe for, for reasons um, of rage. And also you've got some issues such as James and such as Diaz, which some people might not have been able to address before the Game Week 2 deadline, uh, but do have to uh, address now. And sorry, not, not Diaz, but rather Stones, uh, who's out for Game Weeks 3 and 4, confirmed by um, Pep's sort of timeline. Although, you know, yeah. whether we trust that or not is another point. <laughs> but Stones is naturally, of course, someone who's quite injury prone too. We have Diaz back which I think is, is probably the most logical answer to any sort of transfer out situation in the defender situation, because a city defender, if you don't already, let's say have a triple up of city is, is, is probably the best way to go. They've already started the season impeccably. I would say the amount of control they have with the sort of four defenders that they have right now, even with stones out is, is quite insane. This is a new castle. Yeah, team who we yeah. respect a lot from an offensive point of view, completely shut out in that game. For the most part and yeah i think diaz is a very simple transfer but at the same time we also need to probably redistribute funds in the in the in the midfield and the forward position so who would you sort of look at for budget options yeah between you and i i think we've identified a couple of good options for replacements when it comes to stones or james uh, we can look at Urogi who plays bonmouth in game week three or we have Malo Gusto, who is playing Luton in game week three. Or again, we have Botman. You can plan for the future by getting him in right now and bench him for game weeks three and four so that he's ready to start by game week five. The only danger with a move like that is an injury. If he gets injured in game weeks three or four, then that's another transfer that is down the drain and you have to transfer him out again. So if you want immediate impact for your team, I think Yudogi and Gusto are the two options. And if you want to look at maybe a slightly higher price bracket, you can look at someone like Diaz, as you said. He is the most nailed City defender. I don't think there are any doubts about that. And the other pick that we've been talking about is uh, Akanji. Because contrary to many on Twitter, I don't think Vardiol is as nailed as people think. But I think Akanji is more to that effect. Uh, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I think uh, I saw one of Luke's initial predicted lineups and it sort of had Guardiol as if he could play the Stones position, but on the left-hand side. Oh, um, okay. But I think he's not even that sure about, let's say, Guardiola's ability to sort of fulfill that role immediately. We've already mm-hmm. seen Akanji play that in the Super Cup, although it wasn't pretty, I would say. At the same time, hard to sort of take away from that game because... You know, it's one game, you, you you probably could have watched that game and said Foden was terrible, and he then plays an actual serious game, I would say, versus Newcastle and completely blows <laughs> away yeah. uh, everyone there. So, yeah, I think Akanji right now can play a variety of roles, even on both-hand sides of the defense, which is probably the, the scariest part. Because I remember even, you know, as a Real Madrid fan, watching him play the left-center-back role, and he can do that too. So 
The positional flexibility is really nice, where with Guardiola and Ake, you're probably still looking at roles on the left, and that's already quite restrictive. Um, Akanji and Walker sort of benefit now with Stones being out. Um, so I would say Akanji is the only option that I would move towards if I, for some reason, wanted to, let's say, save a little bit of money over Diaz. And going back to the 4.5 defenders, I think what's interesting is Botman makes sense if you have complete coverage somehow of game weeks three and four. But four is going to be a very tricky week for all managers because we all presumably own one Arsenal defender, maybe even own Shaw or another yeah, United yeah. defender. And so that's already two players with uh, a generally bad fixture. I know now Estupinian is creeping into territories where some managers are thinking they have to start him every single week. And potentially I, I, I might be falling prey to this trap in game week three. But yes, this is the, an issue in game week four. And that's why I think Udogi and Gusto are, are appearing as much more popular options. Um, in Souls right now, just because you really need that coverage and maybe the EV gap is, is quite significant in game week four, so you have to sort of push towards a defender who has a good game on that fixture. Yeah, to the Udogi point, I don't know how much weightage you are assigning to the fact that he got subbed pretty early into the United game. I suspect it has more to do with getting more control in defense for the team. So that's why I think Ben Davies, I think Ben Davies came on for him uh, in that game. And if that's a game straight thing, then I think we can just ignore that. But that's one to keep an eye on for game week three. I still think he's a good pick regardless. But I think Gusto right now, at least in the short term, has the most secure minutes that I can think of. Because if um, Pochettino wants to keep playing the system where Chilwell is essentially left wing and then Gusto maybe tucks in sometimes, but then sometimes is also attacking... Then in that system, I don't think Dizazi is going to fit in that system. If he wants to change systems, he can obviously. And maybe that 3-1 hammering is going to change his mind. Um, pun unintended. But at the same time, both defenders have an equal say, I think, in terms of who we want to transfer into our teams. Do you have a preference with either of those? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be lying if I didn't. I mean, I, I've gone for Gusto already because I was fearful oh, wow. <laughs> of a James yeah, okay. Price fall previously. But that was mostly okay. because I started with a, a much deeper bench than most. So James was already mm. kind of my fourth defender um, in FPL, uh, or even you can argue fifth. Um, so that's why I was comfortable making a move towards Gusto because I was sort of eyeing up uh, maybe going 4-5-1 for a bit. And I, and I still have the option to do that by going for Gusto. Uh, in the short term so that's sort of why I've, I've i've gone for gusto and as you said with the udogi thing I, th I think there was a press conference earlier in the season where angie was talking about uh ben davies and how he sees him more as a left back than than a center back so unsurprising mm -hmm. that he kind of comes on for udogi M maybe unlikely that he'll continue to take that many minutes from udogi but um mm -hmm. from spurs fans i i, I think an x-men's of something like 68 to 75 is is probably already safe um yes but anything beyond that, I think you're you're probably reaching, if we're being honest. And so that sort of brings us to to a close in terms of macro topics uh, for game week three. Is there anything you want to add before we sort of touch on my specific, you know, you know, niche topic? Yeah, yeah I, think I think this topic, topic is really interesting, interesting and, and I want to get into this because, because I, don't I don't suspect a lot of people are thinking about this. But Pinch Boost game, game week three, talk, talk to me about how you, how you got here and why are you? Thinking, thinking about, about employing, employing bench boost so early in the season. Yeah, so, so I mean, I, I mean, from speaking to managers who probably know better than myself in terms of also just looking at studies of chips and so forth, 
think, yes, on one hand, when we saw last season with the sort of very loose pricing, you could argue that it, it makes sense to save your uh, bench boost later on when you have a much more stronger team, when you have much more tra team value. But I, I would still say that maybe the axiom that some people hold that, that a bench boost is worth 15 points is is sort of what I'm I'm gunning for here with a potential bench boost. I'm not saying I'm, I'm locking it in. Um, I'm not telling people to do it, but it, it's just a unique situation that I find myself in because I sort of created a 4-5-1 draft with Jao Pedro, and ultimately I only have a 4.54 that I really need to replace in order to actually play a good uh, bench boost 3. Turner obviously has a horrific fixture versus United, but the rest of the, the bench uh, really makes up for it, and, and it's around you know 15 plus EV anyways. It would be Saliba, Estupinian, and Jao Pedro. And so that, that already brings me to that 15 ETH threshold. And when I was sort of initially looking at Bench Boost 3 earlier in the week before it was sort of, um, well, maybe it died its first death, I suppose, uh, due to the Jao Pedro benching. It, it, I was actually looking at Solves and, and seeing that it was sort of destroying my, my long-term EV, right? So on an eight gaming horizon, that 15 points that I was getting from the Bench Boost in, in gaming three was starting to slip away. And hmm. I think now with sort of the rise of Alvarez as a pick, and the benefit of the flexibility with, let's say, Gusto as well, giving me a lot more budget and also just generally the ability to sort of ignore him as a 4.0 option. I'm not any, I'm, I'm no longer losing that EV as long as NCSO's out uh, and, or let's say he's not fit to, to start for gaming three. So if Jao Pedro's a starter, even let's say giving him 60 X mins, the bench boost works really well for me just in terms of getting that getting more than 15 EV. I think it's something like um, 16 EV from the bench boost as it stands. Obviously, numbers will change, but going forwards, actually, I, I don't really lose any any long term value. Um, and, and previous, as I said, in, in future game weeks, I was actually losing, you know, my eval score as well and my MD. But actually, with, with the sort of rotation with both Alvarez and Jao Pedro, which I think is going to be very risky and very hard to deal with, but because I have such great defenders, I'm not too worried ultimately, and my midfield is very strong. I'm, I'm not losing actually any of that EV un until, let's say, gaming 10, just looking at an 8 gaming horizon. So I'm quite confident that it will be the play that I execute if we get that sort of really positive NCSO news. And then worst case, if it doesn't happen, I'm just going to be rolling my other free transfer. So that's what's going to happen for me this week. Now, and just to entice you towards bench boost a bit more, if you were to, for example, put in a review that you're playing your wildcard in nine, I'm pretty sure it will even boost your EV further because that means that you are only going to be carrying the heavy bench. It's not even that heavy, but heavy for the purposes of EV for a couple of weeks. It's not like you're going to be carrying it for, let's say, up to game week 16 or something if you were to play your wildcard in game week nine. So all in all, I think it's a refreshing idea. I think it's not as novel as bench boost game week one but it's right up there and you heard it here folks he's going to play it if joe pedro is locked that's the only thing holding him back so as long as joe pedro starts we are good to go for bench boost game week three yeah i mean we'll see but um <laughs> <laughs> okay moving on to the final topic of our pod today which is of course captaincy uh this week i think holland is clear both of us are captaining holland and that's the end of this discussion, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, <laughs> your your secondary options are probably 0 0.5, 0 0.6 EV away from Holland. It's a perfect Holland fixture. It's Sheffield United away. It could only be better if, if City were at home. But yep. in reality, all the other options just pale in comparison. And 
the only two options below holland in review are rashford and bruno and Odegaard. given the and of course odegard now that he has some penalty uh, weightage assigned to him uh, and i think that given the tendency of twitter populace to react to points that have been scored i don't think bruno and rashford are going to be captain in any case forget about uh, maybe there are a lot of united fans who just blindly captain united players but other than that i think everyone is going to be captaining holland this week yeah i mean ultimately i i do look forward to owning united midfielders and i hope we get a yes. slightly reduced ownership of them but but that's really it you're you're just going to captain holland and hope the hope, hope the rest of your team does its job which it didn't this yeah. week but hey yeah we can hope for better obviously and that's it really for this week hope you guys have a good game week and see you next week